Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Have you ever won anything? Maybe you were in a drawing mm. and you your raffle ticket was pulled or have you ever won anything? Yes. Yes, I did. Are you just remembering it or yes, something? Yes, okay. I am. And it's crazy that I remember this. What did you win? So I, it was, I think it must have been fifth grade. I played basketball. Uh, as you can tell, that worked out great for me. <laughs> um, but but after after the season, all of the teams got together. And I remember we were in this like middle school gym doing awards for the season. Uh-huh. And there was a raffle that was a part of it at the end. And every kids from every team's name was in in a bag and they drew out a name and you got a prize. And I remember sitting there and a couple people had gone by, a couple people had gone by. And I was... I was sitting there, I had my eyes closed, and I was like, oh, please let the next one be me, let the next one be me. And it was, but I didn't recognize it because they said my name wrong, so I kept my head down, and everybody around me was like, it's you, it's you. And I was like, ah! And so I got a little basketball out of it, and it was fun. It's fun to win things. It is. I When I was in, oh, this was probably fourth grade, Uh huh. I won a bike. A bi- that's a good prize. Yeah, there was a big event, like a bicycle safety event, and it was in a big convention hall, and they pulled a name to win a bike, and I won it. That's awesome. I was really pumped, and I it was I can kind of picture it. It was black, and it had like some red trim, and it, it ended up getting stolen a couple no! years later. <laughs> but... <laughs> So it didn't That's have so like a, a super happy ending. But for the couple years that I had that bike, yeah. it was awesome. And that's probably the biggest thing I've ever kind of had my name pulled and I was the winner. Sure. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Exactly. Will it be you? Well, what am I talking about? You have the opportunity to win a trip to Israel. We've been checking in with Carl. You're going to hear from him coming up. He's traveling the Holy Land this week, and that's a great opportunity for us to tell you that you can go too. Yes. Moody Radio is giving away a trip for two to go on this Israel flyaway, this tour. It's a 12-day tour of the Holy Land. Moody Radio is going to cover round-trip airfare and hotel, breakfast and dinner. So this is, I mean, the, the cost to you will be minimal. A couple, you know, maybe you'll have to pick up lunch and little trinkets and things like that. But over $11,000 is what this trip is valued. So if you want the opportunity to have your name called and have Jonathan play uh, a little something for you that says you're the winner. Winner, winner. Dinner. Yep. Text the word trip to 312-274-9624. Text the word trip to get the entry form. Trip to 312-274-9624. Freedom Friday here on Carl and Crew Mornings. Coming up, we are going to hear from Carl with some of the sights he's seeing in the Holy Land. Waking you up with adrenaline and Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Carlin Crew Mornings. It's January 13th. Here we are. And uh, we want to do a little review. Omer Eschel with me. Uh, let's go, Omer. Where were we yesterday? There's one thing that we did not tackle yesterday you want to you wanna make a note of. Yeah, yesterday we visited uh, Shepherd's Field. Now, Shepherd's Field, there is a church that we kind of look at it, waved, and continue because we don't care so much about the church. We care about the Shepherd's Field. And we actually went into one of those caves that was used by shepherds and we read the accounts of the birth of Jesus. Now, it's important for me that our audience would know. Nobody says that these are the caves that the shepherds sat on. But these are caves from the time of the shepherds that probably belong to yeah. shepherds from the time of Jesus. Yeah, and they're, by the way, they're right near some hotels. Yes. You and I walked to them one night after uh, all the tour had shut down. This is years ago. And, and it's right there. You just walk a little pace from a hotel and there, there they are. And imagine, imagine that when we did it, we didn't hear glory, glory to God above. No, but <laughs> I wish we would have. I wish we would have, yes. <laughs> yeah, wonderful stuff. Okay, January 13th, where do we start? Where do we end? Today we're going to start with one, actually, of the most high and amazing places, and that is the Garden Tomb. Today we're going to celebrate communion at the Garden Tomb. This place is one of my favorite. It is peaceful and amazing and gorgeous, and this is a moment to be Close to Jesus, really, really close to Jesus. Now, this has huge significance because as you sit in the garden tomb, you can see Golgotha. Explain that. Well, Golgotha in Hebrew is a skull. 
And that's, that's what the Bible speaks about, that the, the mountain looked like a skull. And today, when you go to the garden tomb and you view over the cliff, it does look like a skull. It changed a lot from the time that, that it was discovered. You There's been still, a lot of falling and yeah. scraping, but, but it's still there. It's still there. And it's, you know, people ask me, what is the place of the Golgotha? Is it the Holy Sepulchre or is it the garden tomb? The fact is, if we're ever going to find a skeleton with a nail right inside of it, that's not Jesus because he resurrected. Yeah. So the chances of us finding the place archaeologically are impossible because it's not there. It's, you can only speculate. You can only speculate. So that's why on this tour we try also, we will going to visit the Holy Sepulchre out of respect to our friends in the Catholic faith. You know, the Holy Sepulchre is a very, very unique place historically. When we look at the tomb in the garden tomb, it's astounding in that. It shows wealth and riches for that time, right? Absolutely. This is a this is a large tomb which is right next to Jerusalem. So location, location, location. Yeah. We just been a few days ago at a beautiful tomb in the Ella Valley. That tomb in the Ella Valley costs a fraction of this tomb that we just been to. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, where else are we going Friday the 13th? Well, we're going to go, of course, again to the Western Wall for us to have uh, some time to reflect and to pray. And after that, we're going to wander around in the Old City. We're going to see the Christian Quarter, the Jewish Quarter. We're going to see the walls of Hezekiah. We're going to read that. That's one of the best, best pieces. And the walls of Hezekiah, these are not little walls. No, sorry, they're not. They're not. And actually, this is one of the places where you can read the accounts in 1 King 18 about Rav and Shebna. Yeah. And you can, that, that's the place where it happened. It is incredible. You read this and it's like, I'm on the wall that this mega event is taking place. I'm on it right now. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this little mini tour as we are taking a tour of Israel. And I know we've whetted your appetite in a big way. And on this Freedom Friday, I want you to check out something. There is a site, if you Google If you Google the Bible comes to life, just Google that. The Bible comes to life. You will find there over 110 little video vignettes that will bring illumination to the Holy Land in ways that will astound you. Omer Eshel is truly the finest guide we could possibly have in Israel. There is no one like him. He's a dear friend, and it's been a joy having you on this little mini tour here as we are touring Israel. Thank you, Omer. Thank you so much, and thank you for our listeners that listen to us. And next year in Israel, as we say every Seder. Yes, next year in Israel. Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carlin Crew Showcast. Just go to carlincrew.org. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings here on Moody Radio. Uh, we're coming up. We're going to be talking to my pastor, Pastor Al Toledo. Yeah. Have I ever told you the story of how I started going to this church? I don't think so. Okay. So I've attended Chicago Tabernacle for about 11 years now. So okay. if I go back 11 years, what was going on in my life was my husband was uh, working primarily in Europe. He played professional basketball overseas, which is another story for another day. But so we only spent short amounts of time in the U.S. Sure. So we kept our home base in Chicago and we had people coming to visit us and they said, hey, we'd love to go to church with you because they knew we were Christians. Yeah. And we said, well, actually, we don't really have a church home, but (laughs) we're willing to try to find a church to visit and we can all go together. Mm. So I started doing a Google search (laughs) of different churches in the area, and I kind of narrowed it down by location, things that were close. And I started just looking at websites and looking at pictures, and I thought— Okay, let's try this church. So we told our friends, hey, we're going for the first time, too. Mm. This isn't our home church. We've never been here before, but let's all try it together. I love that. So we end up going into Chicago Tabernacle with my husband and I, and we had friends visiting. And we ended up having to get seated in the front, very, very front or like the second row. Okay, yeah. That was what was available. So when they said, hey, if there are any new visitors here... Go ahead and stand up. Well, this was a funny moment because my husband is 6'4". Right. His friend, 7 feet. Okay. (laughs) 
his friend's fiance was like 5'11 and I'm 5'10. So we all stood up, the four of us, like giants. And no one could see the speaker on the stage anymore. Second row. And so uh, Pastor Toledo, who you're going to hear coming up, he, uh, he was actually out that day. But when he he came back, he had heard, hey, I think there were some basketball players <laughs> that came and visited the church while you were gone. Oh, that's funny. That ended up being uh, the perfect place for us. And it's been our church home for the past 11 years. And it all started the day we had to stand up from the second row and blocked everybody <laughs> because we were probably the four <laughs> tallest people in the room. That's awesome. I love that. And you're all sitting together. <laughs> and we were all sitting together. I'm like, this is a really funny sight. I was very aware of it in the moment. Like, wow, we are, we are <laughs> We're really... all very tall people. <laughs> Coming up, you're going to meet my pastor, Pastor Al Toledo from Chicago Tabernacle. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. We have a real treat this morning. It means a lot to me personally. I want to introduce you to our special guest, Pastor Al Toledo. He's the lead pastor of Chicago Tabernacle Church on Chicago's north side and also of their Philadelphia campus, Philadelphia Tabernacle. Also the founder of DNA of a Leader, which is a cool leadership curriculum that really teaches people how to become privately healthy and publicly fruitful. I'm going to explain what that means. Uh, pastor Al Toledo with us. So let me start, Pastor. I, I don't know if I've ever told you you this, but when I walked into Chicago Tabernacle 11 years ago, I did not even really know how to be privately healthy. I didn't, even though I'd been in the church for a long time. So when I started hearing things like altar and privately healthy and publicly fruitful, even though I had been in the church for a long time, this was a new concept to me. Does that surprise you that someone who'd been in the church for a lot of years would kind of be a little foggy on some of the spiritual basics? Well, first of all, it is so exciting to be on Moody, especially with you, Allie. We love you and your family so much. And, you know, it's not surprising to me because um, it's part of my, my personal journey. I was, when I first became a Christian, it was muddy to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a pastor, God made real to me that in his kingdom, that's what's most important to him. It all begins, all all Christianity and especially fruitfulness, it's always inside out. It's never outside in. Um, You know, I launched on a journey of really studying this and it's all over the, the scriptures. John 15 is probably the, um, God's New Testament, like shouting point on private health and public fruitfulness. But I personally feel that as a pastor, it's kind of what I want our people to be the most familiar with, because um, I know that God's greatest desire is for us to be privately healthy. You think about being a parent, Allie, and now a grandparent for me. The thing that I want to know the most is that my kids and my grandkids are doing really well inside of their hearts. Mm -hmm. I think if we times that by like trillions and (laughs) zillions, that's what's on God's heart for us, first and foremost. And then after that, that we would also be fruitful, which is different from successful. Right. Because fruitfulness is about making an eternal impact for the glory of God. Mm And it includes success, but it's different. And to me, that's what's on the heart of God for our lives. And when we live that kind of life, we have the most peace, the most joy, and we're literally walking in the abundant life that Jesus has for us. So I I think it's such a a big deal. Yeah. So what does this look like? I know you you talk a lot about this at church, but I want to share it with uh, the listeners as well. This sort of inside out approach to the spiritual life, the uh, underground versus above ground, uh, super practically, what does this look like in the daily life of a believer? Well, I think that if you go to John 15, Jesus describes it for us. Psalm 1 also describes it through the imagery of a tree. But in John 15, Jesus 
says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he gives us three, like in the first nine verses or so, he gives us three types of abiding. We abide in him, Mm -hmm. we abide in his word, and we abide in his love. That begins and is dominated by our private life with God. Most of that happens in private, and then we carry it out throughout our day, which I'll touch on in a moment, but it really begins in your devotional life. And and I want to say, I I think about the thousands of people who might be listening right now. And could you imagine if all of us could get so close to God that we would be like walking trees and just offering the fruit of God to people wherever we go, we could literally turn the city of Chicago upside down Mm. and wherever the listener finds themselves in. And it's that simple, but what's what's wonderful for me that it comes through our private connection with God, abiding in Him, abiding in this love, which I always try to encourage people to worship the Lord in private, yeah. to sing to Him, lift your hands to Him, minister to the Lord in private, and, and stoke the fires of your relationship, just you and Him. And obviously, it's always based on the word of God, abide in my word. And when those things are happening, there's a healing, there's a strength, there's this powerful transaction that takes place inside of our hearts. It spills over into our, 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 our obviously, our thinking, our emotions, and our ability to be led by the Holy Spirit when we're in the day, because when we're close to him, then we hear him better. We know him better. So in John 15, it says, abide in me in those three ways. And then right around verse nine, he says, and then it's to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Fruit bearing is natural. Fruit bearing, you can't force fruit to come out. It's just (laughs) something that flows out of your life. You know, and so it starts in private and then it spills over into the rest of our day. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the one more thing I would say about this, when I studied John chapter 15, I um, really have tried to emphasize over the years that Jesus, through, John 15 teaches us that Jesus is not a fueling station. He's a vine. Yes. We go in the morning, we, we get gas, but then we leave the gas station. We fuel up and then we leave. We don't leave Jesus in our devotional place. We mm. take him with us. Yeah. Our connection remains all throughout the day. And, you know, when that happens, as opposed to trying to get from God in the morning and then for the rest of the day, you're on your own. It's not like that. It's richer. It's more wonderful and so much more powerful when you say, Lord, I'm with you. I, I can worship God at my desk. I can worship him at lunch. I can be praying and, and meditating on him all throughout the day. Yep. Pastor Al Toledo, our guest right now, lead pastor of Chicago Tabernacle Church on the north side of the city. It's my home church and also the Philadelphia campus recently launched Philadelphia Tabernacle. Coming up, let's tackle this one. So if privately healthy, publicly fruitful is the model, what happens when that gets inverted? And we see people who appear to be very publicly fruitful, and then we find out that the private health isn't there. Let's talk about that with our special guest coming up. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Pastor Al Toledo with us this morning, lead pastor of Chicago Tabernacle and Philadelphia Tabernacle recently launched, talking about this principle of being privately healthy and publicly fruitful. Now, Pastor, what we have seen from time to time over, I mean, this is nothing new. uh, We see somebody who appears to be very fruitful, or so we think they have success. Maybe they have a large following on social media, and then things come out that maybe it's not all that it appears. What happens when this gets turned upside down, when the public fruit is what's emphasized, but the private health really can't sustain it? Well, you know, what this reveals is kind of what has plagued, you know, our nation, Uh, especially you, you see this over the last two or three years with so many leaders after being publicly successful 
then mm-hmm. ultimately their private life crashes. Right. And and I you know nothing is more heartbreaking, especially when that happens in the church, in the kingdom, in the ministry. And there are a couple of verses that speak to this. One of them is that the gifts and call of God are without repentance. And that's a mysterious verse to me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people do secure God's grace in private, and that grace begins to flow through their gifting, and they have a fruitful life inside and out. But after a while, they, they rely more on their gifting, and they neglect their private life. They are more concerned about the voices and the, um, the approval of the voices in the world and they lose sight of the fact that there's nothing more important than the approval of the Father. Yeah. And, you know, my prayer is that whoever is listening right now, that we would know that when we put our head on the pillow at night, the most important thing about our efforts that day is did we commune with God and did we try to honor God? And the Lord is the one who gives the increase. And there are seasons where you might seem more fruitful than others, but we can't get um, caught up with what people think about us. Yeah. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. And whenever we start to get driven by how we appear to people instead of by our relationship with God and pleasing him, then the grace of God upon our lives and the gifting of God for a certain season, you can, you can kind of detach and still appear to be fruitful, but sooner or later, that special sense of God's grace, that special sense of the eternal impact and impartation that God wants us to make, it starts to lift and it's more smoke than fire. Yeah. You know, and we are children of the light and we are children who carry the fire of God. Mm-hmm. And it, that can always be true. Um, bearing fruit in season someone and his leaf does not wither. But it happens through our private life, our connection with God. Now, in our remaining moments, I want to talk a little bit about DNA of a leader because this is such a uh, passion uh, for you. You developed a, a leadership curriculum to really teach people how to live this out. Talk a little bit about uh, DNA of the leader of a leader and what God's doing with it. Well, essentially, um, DNA of a leader was my attempt to break down the essentials of a person's private life, as well as the essentials of bearing fruit for the glory of God. It was like a 15, 20 year search and study. And then I've kind of crystallized it to certain basics that anyone at any level of their walk with God um, can start to learn how to become privately healthy and publicly fruitful. There's more to being privately healthy than just praying and reading your Bible. You know, there, there should be some um, uh, outflows of that. You, you start to, the closer you get to God, the more you start to get a deep sense of the call and mission of God. You can't be privately healthy in the long run if you don't live with the sense of mission. So we talk about the altars, your prayer life, and then mission is your living out the call of God. And then out of that mission, we clarify our stewardships. We're living in a day where people can do so many things that are good, but when it comes to being fruitful, you have to clarify what your stewardships are Mm -hmm. and focus your energies on those stewardships because that's how you fulfill the purpose of God, the mission and the plan of God. And then lastly, privately, there's this never ending sense of renewal where you learn and change and grow and you keep on growing. And in the Bible, you see it everywhere. These are the essentials of private health. If you lose one of these, sooner or later, it's kind of like having a car with, you know, one or two flat tires. Right. And you move slower and you just, it just doesn't flow the way it ought to. And they're, they're not that um, difficult if you just focus on them. Line upon line, precept upon precept, day by day, day, 
anybody can be privately healthy and transform and be transformed into a person that's really publicly fruitful. And then there's those, there are the essentials of being fruitful. The first, I'll tell you the, the first two. Um, and so it starts with the heart of God, with, which is generosity. And it's so difficult to be generous when you are not privately healthy right. because you can't give what you don't possess. Mm-hmm. But when there's an overflow of your private time, you become generous. God the gospel, everything about God, the cross, it shouts of the generous love of God. And when you're privately healthy, you walk in that generosity. And then part of the way we do that is through the way we communicate, which is the second key thing is communication. And before I start preaching, I'll stop there. But (laughs) just so that people could get an understanding of there are different kind of core bases we called it the DNA of a leader to um, allude to the fact that healthy DNA, there's bases in DNA. Mm-hmm. And you need to look at your spiritual DNA. The Bible says like priests, like people. And that means that there's a spiritual DNA also. Like, the, like mom and dad, that's the way our children are and our grandchildren. They get physical DNA, but they also catch what's in our spirit. Yeah. Whatever is in your spirit. That's what you pass on. Pastor Al Toledo with us this morning. I want to point you to a couple websites if you want more information specifically on DNA of a Leader. Uh, just go to dnaofaleader.org, dnaofaleader.org, and then chicagotabernacle.org if you want more details on the church, chicagotabernacle.org. Pastor Toledo, thank you for the time this morning. This was such a joy. Oh, my pleasure. God bless. God bless. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, we're off to a great start already this morning here on Freedom Friday. I'm Allie. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. A couple team updates for you for you who have been asking Carl, as I'm sure you've heard. He's been traveling the Holy Land. We should be Hearing from him sometime in the next 40 minutes or so. He said that he's running a little bit late this morning on Ah. his tour. So 6.30 is around the time that he is planning to call in. Sounds good. And Superdi has been down with a bug along with her family. So prayers for recovery for her. We're hoping to get her back in the studio as soon as possible, as soon as she is feeling feeling good again. We know a bug can can take a lot out of you. So prayers for Di if you think about her. We're talking about fruitfulness. And so on Freedom Friday, uh, I want to do some more compare and contrast. I really liked compare and contrast in school. Oh, yeah? Well, I don't know why. Okay. Um, I think comparing and contrasting is fun because it's fun. It's like a little puzzle to look mm-hmm. for the similarities in something or to look, okay, how are these two things different? So coming up, I want to explain a, a principle that I see in Scripture Now, when you're set free in Christ, we know there is a heart change, but I also want to make a case for why there is a fruit change. There is a changing of fruit when you're set free in Christ. I'll show you in Scripture. First, this is Casting Crowns. Good morning to you. Freedom Friday here. Can't wait to talk to you this morning. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So how did the fruit change? In your life, when you started following Christ, if you've got an answer to that question, give us a call, 312-274-9624. I want to kind of show you two different passages of Scripture uh, that are related. Carl often says that Scripture interprets Scripture, right? Mm -hmm. So when you see a theme like fruitfulness and you start looking for it, you'll see elements of it addressed in many different places in Mm -hmm. Scripture. And fruitfulness is one of the biggest themes that I think we do see, this principle of a vine and a branch or a tree with a root system that's drawing in water, bearing fruit and season, uh, this concept of flourishing, being vibrant, the abundant life, all of those things are related. So you'll see them in different places in scripture. So I want to go to the book of Romans today. Romans 6, I'm going to read you two verses, Romans 6, 20 and 22. So when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. 
And then verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's that Romans 623 is a, uh, common one used in gospel presentations. I don't think I realized that it was right there in this passage that talks about a fruit change. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I I love I love the passage. I love the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's so good to look back on where we were and see the change that has been made in us. And this is uh, this is kind of a rhetor, uh, almost a rhetorical question, but really you could answer it probably pretty easily. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Hmm. Okay. And I can certainly look back at points of my life where I'm not proud of mm-hmm. and I can say, yeah, the that wasn't great fruit. No, not at all. The things in from your past or my past, the things that not shame in the sense of where we feel like we have to hide from God or we feel like this condemnation. No, because we're free in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there are aspects of all of our lives where we go, you know what? Wasn't a good look. Yeah. Oh, wasn't, absolutely. That that was not that tr- was not reflective of a heart that was near Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit ultimately led to death for the end of those things is death. That's contrasted with now that we are set free from sin, we get fruit that leads to sanctification or growing to be more Christ-like, being set apart, and the end is eternal life. So fruit that leads to death, fruit that leads to life. Yeah. I think of, uh, you know, out in the wild, there are, you know, you ever watch those like man versus wild shows? Like me you know, versus the rat uh, in my yard? Yeah, just like that. Just like that. It's yep. like uh, like Bear Grylls, who he's uh-huh. like a, you know, a survivalist kind of guy. He goes and, and lives in the woods and tries to survive in these areas and then leave it. But, uh, you know, sometimes they'll come across these like berry patches and some of the berries are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And some of the berries are really, really bad. But they all look like berries. Okay. And and I think that that's the thing sometimes is that, you know, you become I think the more, you know, fruit, the more you can spot the small differences that realize, hey, this fruit is a dangerous fruit or this fruit is a good fruit. You yeah. can eat that fruit. But but they all are fruit. And I think that we need to remember that is that just because we're bearing fruit doesn't mean we're bearing good fruit. It's very true. I mean, there was uh, the popular television I don't know what you would call him is Dr. Phil. So he was uh, a TV personality, TV personality. And so there was this one line that he would often say, <laughs> I love Dr. Phil. Do you know where I'm going with no, this? I'm so not sure. Okay, so there's just one line that he would often say that I don't know why this passage of scripture makes me think of it, but so he would be talking to somebody who'd come on his show and there was some drama or some dysfunction or something that they were kind of processing through. And so the person would maybe be describing the way they go about things and he would look at them and he would say, so how's that working for you? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like so simple, but it's kind of like this. So what fruit were you getting from the things that you were ashamed of now? How how's that working for you? Yeah, did you know? it, did it help at all? Did it was there was there fruit that was eternal? Were other people blessed by mm. your choices and nourished? You know, we kind of chuckle at it, but really wrestle with that. What fruit were you getting from the things that you are now ashamed of? Yeah, and what fruit are you seeing in your life right now? We're going to contrast those. That's my Freedom Friday question. What did that fruit change look like? Think about the first question. What fruit were you producing before you came to Christ? And what fruit do you see in your life now? Give us a call, 312-274-9624. Coming up, one more fruit passage for you. This one has a list of examples to draw from. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? That's Romans 6.21. For the end of those things is death. What might be some examples of fruit that was being produced at a at the time when we were doing things of which we were now ashamed? Well, let's jump to Galatians 5. This gives you some possible answers. Yeah. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Gives you some possible things of fruit that was being produced uh, at the time when we were doing things at which we are now ashamed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about the, you know, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. I think of the things that we were doing that were leading to death. They often create the opposite of those fruits. So love, I think of uh, unfaithfulness. Sexual immorality brings unfaithfulness. I think of joy brings anger. The opposite of joy brings anger. The opposite of peace brings discontentment. Mm -hmm. All of these things, you know, I think that that when we fall into these sinful fruit bearing things, that they bring what the exact opposite of the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. And that's why I love kind of pairing these passages together because I think it does give you a clear picture. The fruit that was being produced by my life before, maybe fits of anger, maybe for you it was envy or drunkenness or sexual immorality. All of those things are on this list, and this is not a comprehensive list. There are certainly more things, more if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of it. And then the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now that you have been set free from sin, jumping back to Romans 6, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. If your life is producing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, my goodness, that leads to life. That also leads to, in the here and now, you growing in Christ-likeness or sanctification. So I'd love to hear kind of your before and after. How did the fruit change? I don't need details. I know we don't need to revisit all of it. But when you compare and contrast the fruit from your life before and the fruit now, would you say, you know what? Now I've got some joy that I certainly didn't have because before I was a person full of anger. Or you know what? Before uh, my life produced the fruit of sexual immorality. But now I have the fruit of peace and gentleness and love. Give me your story, your Freedom Friday story. How did the fruit of your life change when you became a follower of Christ? 312-274-9624. Phone lines officially open. I've got 10 lines. Would love to hear your story. 312-274-9624. Your fruit before and after. Compare the fruit then, the fruit now, what's different? Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. We just heard from Carl, who's been broadcasting live from Israel during his Holy Land tour all week. We have an opportunity to send a couple of folks to Israel on the Israel Flyaway Contest. I want to make sure that you get in on this. This is a big trip, 12 days touring the Holy Land, uh, where Moody Radio takes care of hotel accommodations and your and your flight. So if you want to enter in, there's going to be a trip for two given away in the month of February. So get signed up by texting the word TRIP to 312-274-9624. Just text the word TRIP to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. So I asked you, how did the fruit of your life change when you became a follower of Christ? Just got a text message from someone who said, uh, "Fake love before prom- mm. uh, promiscuity, now true love." There's one thing to walk in promiscuity where you feel like maybe there's some love there, but then you experience real love. You experience the real thing. That's a totally different thing. What about you? How did that fruit change when you became a follower of Christ? 312-274-9624. Jonathan, what would you say? I think for me, the fruit that I can see changed the most is goodness and faithfulness. Ooh, okay. So, you know, before... Before I had a real relationship with Christ, I, you know, I thought I had a relationship with Christ. I, I believed in him, to say the very least. Uh, but, you know, that didn't ever translate to fruit in my life. Yeah. But after I started to follow Christ as my Lord, what he grew in me was a desire to live a life of integrity. Mm. Uh, and when I, you know, 
I think of his love for me, it makes me want to live a life of integrity for him. And so goodness in the sense of uh, I care about what my actions are before it was whatever benefited me. So good or bad, I you know, I do what I needed to do to benefit myself. Yeah. And now I don't have to do that. And it's because of his grace. Love that. So what would you say? What was that fruit change that you can really say before the fruit of my life was this, and now I can genuinely say, because of Christ, I'm seeing this kind of fruit. What was it? How did the fruit of your life change when you became a follower of Christ? Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. It's Freedom Friday here on Carl and Crew. I'm Allie. Here's the question I have for you. How did the fruit of your life change when you became a follower of Christ? Uh, let's go to the phones. London, first-time caller from Chicago. How did the fruit of your life change when you became a follower of Christ? Tell me your story. Um. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, I was um, sorry. I'm a little emotional about it, but oh, um, it's okay. I was living a pretty reckless life. I'm 26, and um, I was doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have done. Yeah. I was raised in church, and I never really submitted my life to God until um i had uh found out i was pregnant mm. and um i was used to controlling everything and you know having a selfish mindset and it was in that moment i realized i had to surrender so every day uh since i've been pregnant and i'm still currently pregnant i'll be given birth in february i've been reading my bible i've been laying and prostrating myself before the Lord, not just for myself, but so that my son can see Mm -hmm. what it means to really love the Lord and to be a child of God, to actually be a Christian. Wow. So London, first of all, I love your story. Thank you for your honesty. It's awesome. And you are, you are by God's grace, you're, you're building a new legacy for, for your son. What do you, when you look at what the fruit of your life is now. What do you see? What do you see God doing in you that maybe you didn't, weren't able to do before? Is there love? Is there peace? Yeah, there's a, it's like the, all the fruits of the spirit, um, love for myself, me and my, my boyfriend are engaged. So I have a love that I never thought I would have, um, peace in my house with my family where there was discord. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm restoring the relationship through God and through his patience and, uh, you know, self-control because I didn't have any, I wanted to control everything. Yeah. And, and I realized that self-control is allowing God to have control over Ooh. everything else and just controlling what I can and what I can't control. I'll allow God to have full control over London. Thank you so much. I I so appreciate your honesty on that. And I, and you hit the nail on the head with self-control is really realizing that God is the one that's in control and submitting to him. I love your story. Lord bless my sister and this baby to come. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and crew mornings. Let's get a check-in from Carl. Carl's been touring Israel, touring the Holy Land for, wow, a a full week now. He's been seeing some incredible sights. Carl, what have you seen so far today? It's uh, middle of the afternoon there. It's good Freedom Friday. Yes, it's Freedom Friday. Doing well. What city are are you still in Jerusalem? Uh, We're at Lakish now, the famous city here. We've just got a couple more stops before we get on a jet plane tomorrow morning, heading back to Chicago. It's crazy how quick this has gone by, and yet how many sites we've seen. So Lakish, uh, site of a lot of battles, uh, second largest uh, archaeological dig currently going on in in uh, Israel, and it is, it's pretty epic. We took a dirt road to get up here. You know, when we go on these tours to Israel, uh, I use Omer Eshel for the guide that is over here. And Omer is, he, he is all about studying and learning. He's all about the Bible. And that isn't always the case with a lot of guides in Israel. A lot of them are into a lot of the more traditional sites. So we're off-roading it this afternoon. We're up a dirt road with a big old bus, and it is awesome. So we just left. Guess where? Where? The Garden Tomb. 
The Garden Tomb. That's awesome. Tell us about it. Yeah, it was was good. You know, there's a lot of debate about – well, it's tough to find archaeologically where Jesus was buried because, you know, he's not there. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Took me a minute, but yes, that is correct. (laughs) He's not there, so there's no way to really confirm anything. And all the shrouds and all that, that some of the crazy urban myths that fly around, I mean, there's no way. Now, there are some indications that we have. We know it's not in the city walls, and so we know that he he was crucified on the road. Uh, not up on a hill. Uh, I know there's a lot of songs written about where Jesus was crucified. The picture we get in our mind oftentimes is a hill. He wouldn't have been crucified on a hill. He would have been crucified on a roadway, flat ground. Hmm. And it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a cross that was fashioned at all like we often see. Really? Would have been probably no, not at all. There were a lot of trees around there, so they probably would have taken a uh, some kind of an olive. Uh, big limb, an olive tree, big limb, and they would have probably, it would have been a gnarly thing. They would have nailed it up possibly on an existing tree, and they would have uh, hung them right on the side of the road Mm. naked, no clothing. So it's, the goal of the Roman government was to shame people. Yeah. And oftentimes we get a picture of, of, you know, these three crosses up on a hill, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It was only on a hill in, in that it was in, on Zion. It was in the Holy City. Mm-hmm. It was in Jerusalem. But beyond that, it was probably on a flat roadway with people walking by looking eye height at Jesus. Um, so it was, it was a brutal death that he died. But he laid down his life for us. And, you know, it's amazing. He came in a very common way. We were up in uh, Bethlehem yesterday. And oh, really funny, guys. I got a funny story for you. So I'm coming out of, we're in this obscure place. It's a shepherd's cave. And I'd gone down in there and we sang some hymns, got about 50 of us way underground. And this is where sheep would go. And the shepherds would probably be, uh, you know, kind of hanging out near the entrance to the cave. Well, we went all the way down in there and we're coming up out. And uh, Roberta. Oh, I didn't know this woman, but we're getting out. There's just a couple of people uh, in a different party there. And somebody looked at one of our tags and said, 180 Chicago and Booty Radio. And and two and two together, we got a boom crewer up there. She's from Arlington Heights. And oh, she was there touring awesome. that area. On a separate tour. Goes, oh, my. She, yeah. Well, no, she was actually just there herself. She worked with CBN for a number of years in uh, the Middle East, and so she was going back to see a friend. But she's from Arlington Heights, and she says, I listen to you guys every day. I love all themes. And so it was cool. So, I mean, I'm in the middle of nowhere land. I'm in Bethlehem running into boom crewers. (laughs) That's awesome. So it's pretty cool. But, yeah, we were were in a shepherd's cave, and – you know, I I think I'm kind of in overload here again. This mm-hmm. is my fourth trip to Israel. But it's really cool because now on this fourth trip, the pieces are really dropping together. And so geographically, I've got it in my head finally here. And it is amazing. And this is what I was going to say that relates to Jerusalem, crucifixion of Christ, and then even the garden tomb where we were today. Jesus came, and it wasn't a wooden box. It was a feeding trough. The manger would have been carved out stone. It, it's not It's not a wooden X-frame deal that they laid the straw down in. There might well have been straw. But it would have been a place very remote since there was no room in the inn. And by the way, when when we hear no room in the inn, the, the historical cultural context is there were no inns. It's not like there was a Super 8, okay? It's like, ah, shit, shucks, Super 8's full. Can't get in there, Mary. Um, It was, there was no room in the inn, meaning there was no one that could receive them. This is a communal kind of life here. 
unlike we live. You know, we live detached and in our homes and playing video games, and we go out on vacation and we go into our own little homes there. They went into people's homes, hmm. and they lived together, and there was no one that could take him, take them in. So they wound up probably cave-dwelling, and there Jesus was born. Why do I say that? In a manger he lay, Jesus my Savior. And he was born in that manger. He was born in humility. He was crucified in humility. But Sister Allie, he rose in victory. Wow. And that's the hope we have. And, you know, it's funny because the Middle East, I mean, you look at Israel. It's the size of New Jersey. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it's nothing. And yet it is the epicenter of the world's attention over and over again. So we've been in and out of uh, Palestinian-type territory, A-zones. They call them A-zone, B-zone, C-zones. Get into that down the road someday. But uh, we've been all over the countryside here. And again, because this is more of a study-inclined tour, I mean, we're having ball my goodness some people think study equates to boring are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) if you're bored man you need to check your pulse you're about ready to kick a bucket here because this is this has been epic and it's it's been sweet so yeah down back at the garden tomb we had a sweet time of fellowship and communion and it's just an just an epic morning and early afternoon here. We'll be heading back to the hotel here in a couple, three hours. Our, our last site is the Ella Valley. We are going to go to where David said, give me some of that giant. I'm going to take that dude down. Oh, wow. So we're going to go right there. Yeah, that's where we're going to go. So, yeah, been a kick in the pants. Unbelievable time. And uh, going to be praying today for the balance of your Freedom Friday that God just shows up in power there, you guys. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. it. And we're looking forward to getting you back in the studio with us next week, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, yeah look forward Enjoy to it. Enjoy the rest yeah, of your really trip. Do. And we'll talk to you soon. Blessings on you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Man, sounds like he's having a blast, doesn't it? What a better Freedom Friday place than the tomb, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.